Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody, welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow tonight. We are breaking down... Yesterday's festivities from Eldora Speedway, the Eldora Dirt Derby, the fifth and sixth annual Eldora Dirt Derby, I should say. Wednesday night was Chase Briscoe taking home the crown. Also, as good as last night was, was as bad as Tuesday was, another major sponsor with another major team backing out of the sport after 2018. We'll discuss that a little bit. Plus, Blake Jones making his Cup Series debut for BK Racing but what I'm more focused on is how stock car racing has changed over the last 20 years and how he was approved for that ride. Plus, we'll preview a little bit of the races from Loud, New Hampshire this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. The only time both Cup and Xfinity go there this season, 917-889-8280. That's the number you call to join the show tonight at any time here on Talking in Circles. John, it was another night you looked forward to. Most race fans look forward to the Outdoor Dirt Derby last night, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series event with Chase Briscoe, who uh, runs part-time in the Xfinity Series, ran in the Truck Series the last couple of years for Brad Keselowski Racing, really showed his talents on a dirt last night. I thought he completely dominated after his teammate Ben Rhodes fell out of that race, uh, or should they fell off the lead lap. Briscoe had a dominant truck, fell back to the pit strategy, Still worked his way up on a track that a lot of people called hard to pass last night. Worked his way up, got the victory, and narrowly held off his teammate Gren Enfinger for the win in the Eldora Derby last night for Chase Briscoe. Uh, a satisfying win, I'm sure, for Briscoe, and a very entertaining night from Eldora Speedway. Uh, Clayton, as you and I, and I got to give you credit, uh, Clayton and I were chatting back and forth on Facebook, and in the middle of the second stage, Clayton said, Chase Briscoe is going to win it. So congratulations on your great pick in the middle of the race. Uh, whenever Briscoe was, he was a dominant, he was a fast truck. He had his stuff together. I think Thor Sport in general had a great run. And Thor Sport's an Ohio race, tr- race team. So having a chance to win in your home state is great. And it was a fantastic day for Thor Sport, especially going one, two and crafting also in the top five. And, Myatt Snyder, if he wouldn't have got caught up in somebody else's mess, and if Ben Rhodes wouldn't have hit the wall and fell back off the line, it to be very dominant throughout the race. Um, I think it was the most entertaining race of the season. I think of all three series, I love watching the trucks at Eldora. And there's different ways to set up a track. And Tony, Tony Stewart and his crew set it up for fast and slick to try to make it where you had to slide either you take, you go to the wall, you go to the bottom, but if you're in the middle, you have to do slide jobs or you're searching for searching for um, moisture in the track. I thought it was uh, really good because if you get it too wet, you're either going to just hug the cushion and ride it out or you're going to, and that's how it's going to be. It's going to be a one groove racetrack if it's too wet. So if you get it to it's hard and slick, you're going to have three different grooves and they had them going uh, last night at Eldora. I think it was the best race we saw all year. You saw a competition to and from. There weren't too many. Um, there was a few guys who had no business being in that race because 
They just couldn't figure out what they were doing, but they usually, that always happens, and they're in the back of the pack. There wasn't anybody who was stupid up front. I mean, I got to I gotta say, one of the things with that race last night, there were some comers and goers. There were some people running up front who you normally never see. Um, Austin Wayne Self was running in the top five for a while, and usually Austin Wayne Self is fighting for 20th place. Um, I thought overall it was a great race. I when Tony Stewart went on Sirius XM NASCAR radio this week and said politic NASCAR to put the Xfinity cars here or something like that, I'm all in favor of it because without a doubt, that's the best race I saw all year. And I don't know if I'll see a better one. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, There's no doubt. I think it was a very entertaining race. Right down to the last finish, the last lap, the last second of that race where Chase Briscoe, uh, you know, drove Grant Enfinger into the wall to take the victory. We talked about it right before the show started. Uh, I thought Briscoe probably would have won that race anyway had he not drove Enfinger into the wall. Quick thing about Enfinger. I thought Enfinger ran a great race. I mean, CV, Logan CV in the 51 truck for Accomplished Motorsports ran an outstanding race as well. He ended up eighth on that final restart. Here's a guy who's never really run trucks before. Uh, doesn't know how aggressive these guys are on the truck in the truck series on restarts or how these NASCAR drivers are on restarts. I think he got eaten up a little bit there. On that final restart, ended up eighth. He ran a great race. But um, between Enfinger, I thought Enfinger was really fast. I mean, you, you talked about it. I thought Briscoe was going to win this race going away, and he would have had it not been for Grant Enfinger. I mean, Enfinger held his own. This is a guy who's not really um, known for his, his dirt prowess to go out there and run as close as he did with Chase Briscoe. Um, and I didn't care for the move of Briscoe slamming in the wall. I know a lot of people don't care. Enfinger said some great things at the end of that race. I'm sure he probably would have wished he ran a little bit better. I thought Enfinger handled it with class. Uh, I would have loved to see just a, a straight race to the start-finish line um, and just see who, who was the better driver and who was the better uh, – who got off the corner better coming off the turn four there. So, um, you know, unfortunately that was taken away from us. Doesn't shouldn't take anything away from Chase Briscoe. I thought he ran a great, great race. Uh, he dominated in his heat race. Uh, completely blew away the field. Uh, that 27 truck was awesome to watch. You mentioned Door Sport, their prowess all day long. They seem to have a really good balance on their trucks. So certainly a great race. Enfinger has nothing to hold his head about, though. He ran awesome. Then it was Stuart Friesian, who a lot of people's favorites to win this race, John, just never really seemed to um, lead a lot of laps. He was always there, fifth in the top five. Spun out early, had to work his way up to get the track position. Friesian finishing third. What do you think about his night there in third? I think Stuart Friesen ran a hell of a race to get where he got because he was in fighting for the lead. He was 1-2 and uh, wound up getting the little bit of a bumper going into turn one and spinning out and going to the back of the pack. And I thought they were going to take tires whenever they spun out and stay out for the second stage and get the track position. But he wound up coming in at the caution going at the end of the first stage and taking more, taking the tires then, and working his way up. I mean, he came from 25th or something like that up to third at the end of the night. Great run by Stuart Friesen. Um, whenever you, you said about Chase Briscoe, I know he wishes he would have been able to not get into um, Grant, Grant Enfinger going into, coming up, getting him into the wall, coming off of four. The thing is, what was it, two weeks ago? we were saying how great the racing was with Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch. Kyle Larson put Kyle, Kyle Busch into the wall coming off of two. Kyle, Larson, Kyle Busch spun Kyle Larson going into three. They both came out, finished one, two, 
But everybody's like, that was a great finish. That's real racing. There's no different than what we saw last night. Coming off of the turn, whenever you're trying to do a slide job, and especially as slick as that track was, did he use up uh, Grant Enfinger a little bit? Yes. Did he try to put him in the wall? No. I think he wanted to turn four tires into eight because he knew he was doing a slide job, and he had to use. He wasn't going to be able to do it without getting into Enfinger. I don't think he meant to put him into the wall, but I think it was a fantastic finish. That's racing. The same thing you'd see if late models were running on the dirt. The same thing you'd see if sprint cars were running on the dirt. Cars would try not to hit each other because then it's usually roof sky ground. But if it's a fendered vehicle on dirt, you pretty much see the same kind of finish. So I thought it was a great finish. It wasn't anything intentional. It's not like um, Chase Briscoe said, okay, I'm going to put him into the wall to make sure I win. I think it was just one of those, they hit each other, and he had enough momentum going into the slide job, and you're that close to the finish line, you're not letting up. Yeah, listen, I understand that. I just wish we saw the grand race to the finishing line. I think it would have been great to see. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it earlier about, you know, this is what makes this race great, and I thought it was fantastic last night. A lot of what makes this race great is you see a lot of these truck series veterans going against drivers who we're just starting to learn of. Uh, Logan Seavey, a guy who's got a very good dirt resume. Nick Hoffman, top ten finishes for them. Max McLaughlin, who's son of Mike McLaughlin, Tyler Dipple, who runs up here in Orange County Fair Speedway a lot. Um, you know, a lot of these drivers who have a, a big dirt background and um, just run with these, you know, these truck series regulars every week. So that was, that's awesome to see. I thought CV really, really impressed. I mean, led 53 laps. I know that's accomplished motorsports. You say, Woo. but listen, no, Gregson struggled for most of the night. He ended up sixth. Uh, there's a couple other accomplished motorsports. Todd Gillen had a tough day. I know he started second, ran well in his heat, but he had to hit the wall in the main in the future and never really had never really recovered from that. Spun out a couple of times actually, um, so he ended up 22nd. So don't give me the stuff. It was just equipment, but just a couple of great nights by CV. I thought Nick Hoffman, DJ Cobb, giving that team some well-needed points. I thought he ran really really good. So a couple of good nights scattered throughout the field. Then you got to give Crafton credit. Matt Crafton, a guy who won his race last year, got into a little bit of a skirmish there uh, in the middle part of that race where he had a lot of damage on his 88 truck, but was able to battle back and finish fourth. Nice job for him. Brett Moffitt, again, a guy who doesn't do a lot of dirt racing, to go up there and finish fifth and hold his own. Well, they really, really weren't contenders for wins all night long. You never sat there and said, oh, the, four, the 88 or the 16 are going to win, but they held their own and did a good job. Gregson, talked about him earlier. Get him and John Hunter Nemechek in sixth and seventh. They had to make it in on the last chance race, um, and and obviously they had points to make it in, but they ran that last chance race. Um, so it just showed you the struggle they had to start the night and to rebound and, and haul it in and finish sixth and seventh. Pretty good night for those guys as well. What do you think about the rest of the top ten there, John, uh, other than Briscoe and Enfinger? Well, I think uh, it was amazing what Logan Seavey was able to do. He had never set foot in a truck before. He drives midgets for Keith Coons, and if you drive a midget for Keith Coons, you have a really hot shoe. And you know who his sprint car team owner is? Chase Briscoe. So not only does he drive midgets for Keith Coons, Chase Briscoe is his car owner in sprints. Um, but he, the way he ran that last stage, he led two-thirds of it, and his, his tires were 50 laps older than everybody else. And one of the things when you're spinning on dirt, it's not like those um, 
it's not like the regular cup tire. I mean, you're wearing, you're ripping those things apart. And he was holding his own the way he was with 50 lap older tires. Was an impressive run for Logan Seavey. John Hunter Nemechek, I thought, had one of the fastest trucks of the night. And one of the things that helped him is he lost fourth gear. That's one of the reasons he was so far back and had to run the last qualifier. He, he lost fourth gear. And he's turning a hell of a lot of more RPMs than everybody else was because the best he could do was third gear and still made it into the top ten. And at one point, he's passing people like it's his job. He was doing great. Um, I still think um, it was a great night. It was a hell of a lot of great racing. Todd Gilliland, he was doing well until he got tapped and spun and hit the wall, and there was no coming back from that. Um, but there was a lot of really good racing throughout the pack. I mean, you saw slide jobs, two, three, four. I mean, there was one time they went into turn one on a restart four wide. And first yeah. of all, you didn't know if they were all going to make it out. And second of all, they all did, and it was competitive, and it was amazing to watch. I mean, you saw things on the dirt track last night at Eldora. You wouldn't see people take the chance on or even dream of doing in a cup race or an Xfinity race because – a lot of the times these guys build these trucks and hell 10 to one, half the trucks are three, four years old because they know they're going to get beaten and banging. They know they're going to hit the wall. Um, they know they're going to bump into each other. They know that there's going to be rocks coming up from there that could do whatever. So they're not using their best stuff that they would throw out at Daytona or Talladega or on the mile and a half. They're putting out old trucks. They're putting on a great show. And I still say, it's the best race of the year, all series include, and I wish they would find a way. If, they're, if they say, well, we can't put all three of them out there, it's like, okay, give the truck race somewhere else, bring the Xfinity in one year. I want to see how the cars go on there because it's going to be a fantastic show. Yeah, we'll see. If, if, you know, There's a lot of stuff to dissect before we get there. Uh, as far as the schedule is concerned, I think the schedule is very stale, but there's a reason why it's very stale. Still, um, a couple of guys last night, and listen, I think most, for most other people, they had a lot of fun last night. One guy in particular, though, did not have a lot of fun, and that was Johnny Sauter. Guy who's won five races this year, has been the dominant truck, uh, and, and really dominant the last few years in the truck series. Um, really, really struggled last night. We talked about the last chance race, and, and uh, John Hunter Nemechek and Earl Grayson being in that race. So did Johnny Sauter. Johnny Sauter had a use of a visional last night to get into the main. Uh, he ended up 16th, was nowhere near the top 10 all day long. I heard him in an interview before the, before the feature on MRN Radio, and he said, I got a great cure for Eldora Speedway, put six inches of asphalt on top of it. So uh, not a big fan of dirt since I really don't know what I'm doing here. Um, so Sauter had a tough day. Another driver who had a tough day, who a lot of people I think expected to really run good, was Ryan Newman. I know they had some issues, uh, but we really didn't hear Newman's name all day. He finished stage one in ninth, uh, but he ended up 30th because of his issues. But those two drivers, I think a lot of people might have expected, well, they're going to run really good, and they really struggled last night, John, uh, with Sauter ending up 16th and, and Ryan Newman, a cup regular, uh, driving for Jordan Anderson in 30th. Well, I think Newman, he was caught up. He's he got caught up in the uh, spin that Matt Crafton had. He's the one who wound up basically taking out his front end and um, Crafton's rear end because he spun Crafton spun and Newman had nowhere to go. 
Uh, but Newman was a top 10 car. The fact is that truck team isn't some a team that you normally see, isn't a team that normally runs up front. The fact that Newman had them running te- top 10 while he was running with them, he was having a good time in the car until the, until the spin happened. Johnny Sauter, there's only one answer I have for you. Three years ago, Matt Crafton hated the idea of running on dirt at Eldora. So he's like, there's only two ways I can go. I can hate it, or I can go buy myself a dirt modified and go out and run dirt whenever we have the eight-week span of nothing to do between Atlanta and whenever they come back to Martinsville. He ran dirt modifieds. He's run dirt modified at Eldora so he can learn what the track feels like whenever the uh, whether it's slick, whether it's wet, how much they have to adjust, and different things like that. It's a different than the 3,000-pound truck they're running, but you get an idea of what the track's going to react to. And Matt Crafton went out, learned how to drive in a modified, wound up winning the race last year, finishing top five this year. The reason Matt Crafton made the playoffs last year was because he won at Eldora. Johnny Sauter has five wins. He can just coast through this one. It's not going to hurt him. He's going to be in great shape when it comes playoff time. It's one race, and it's the best race of the year. Either learn to drive on the dirt because you know it's in the schedule or just give it up, ride in the back, stay out of trouble, but don't bitch and moan about it. Well, that's what he did last night except for the bitch and moan part. (laughs) He kind of rode in the back and stayed out of trouble, and I agree with you. You know, maybe Eldora is one of those things, and like you said, with Crafton, he learned how to do it where it's like Martinsville, where a lot of people hate going to Martinsville, and all of a sudden it's a light switch, and they figure out how to do it, and they run really good. Maybe Sauter can figure that out here in the next couple of years. There's no doubt he's a great truck series driver, um, but struggles on the dirt last night, no doubt about it. A couple of things, though, that I want to nitpick, John. One is the heat races. I didn't think the heat races were all that great and were all that competitive or the last chance. Uh, I think that obviously the daytime with the way the dirt is, it just seemed like once – they they got to the positions about three or four laps in. They really didn't go anywhere. I know they're 10 laps. Uh, I didn't think the heat races were that good, but I think it was because it was the daytime, um, and it made it really, really hard to pass. The other thing I didn't like and was very confusing to me were the pit stops. I don't think they did that in the first couple of years there at Outdoor Speedway was having any, any kind of pit stops. Last night they did it. Uh, it just was very, very confusing I thought Fox did a horrific job at explaining what was going on during the pit stops and how they were going to get their positions back and what exactly they were doing. Uh, I, I just They should have went into more detail about that because for people who don't watch this sport on a regular basis, I think they were very confused. So those are the two things last night. If I had to change anything, I think those are the two things because I think the pit stops were just really confusing and, and maybe they weren't as confusing as I thought they were. And TV just did that horrific of a job explaining it. But I just was – when they came on pit road, I was totally confused how they were coming off and how they were totally pitting. And they came out and they said, well, if you change tires at Eldora, you, you get penalized. And people were changing tires on the caution, so they didn't explain that very well um, last night on Fox. So I thought that was a little confusing, and I thought the heat races weren't as great as they could have been uh, because of the daytime. Well, two things when it comes to the heat races in the daytime. Um, I mean, what was the last chance qualifier was 15 laps. You really can't do much in that short a period of time. It's just two, the trucks are too equal right off the bat. They're all crunched together. Either you get everything on the restart or you're done. I think it's great, but the thing is it's 
they're trying to cram a lot of racing into a short amount of time. And I almost think they ought, I love the idea of the heat races. It just is too early in the day because once it's, while the sun's still baking the track, it's going to be slick. There's nothing they're going to do to be able to get enough moisture into that track to keep them competitive in the heat races, but also keep it moist enough that it'll run through the, or make it dry enough that it'll run in the feature and make it a good track. So, yeah, the heat races kind of are always a letdown. It's a matter of how well you do in qualifying, and as long as you don't do anything stupid in the heat race, you're going to keep your position of a movement in the heat races. But um, I think that's something different. The pit stops reminded me of back when the truck, truck series first started, and they had the halftime break. That's almost what it was, except you could take tires under caution, I mean, under between stages, if you took tires during the green or during the uh, while the stage was in process, then you had a penalty be, unless it was a flat and NASCAR approved you having the tire. It reminds me of almost whenever they had the halftime when the truck series originally started. I thought it was okay. I liked the idea that the racing was done on the track when it comes to Eldora. I mean, you didn't see anybody going crazy, no pit gun problems because they actually had their own air guns. They didn't even have it hooked up. It was just, it was a battery powered gun. So they were able to take the time. They even came back with the lug wrench to make sure everything was tight. So the pit stops didn't change one way or another who did what in the race. I thought it was okay. It wasn't anything special, but when you've got Mikey as your faithful um, color commentator who probably flew in at two o'clock in the afternoon and was throwing the race together, I don't think he understood or researched or any of that stuff. And I think it sort of caught the Fox announcers by surprise because they come in the day of the race, do the race and go home. I don't think they were that invested in what was going on during the race, but the truck, all the drivers knew what was going on. All the crew chiefs knew what was going on. It's just the people who were supposed to inform those of us who didn't know the change from last year about what happened. That's um, the fault of Fox. Yeah, I agree. I think it was, again, it, you're right. It might have been good. It might have been very, very simple, and these guys understood exactly what was going on. And I just felt like watching it on TV, I was a little scratching my head going, so how does this exactly work? Where, And and times have changed, I understand that, but I feel like in the 1990s, that would have been explained to you clearly before the race or even during the race saying, hey, they're going to make a pit stop here. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Here's what this. Here's the advantage of doing this, and just sort of preview and go. Oh, I get it. Uh, I, I just and and to be honest with you, between uh, the last chance race and the feature, I was driving home. It took me about ten minutes to get from where I was going, so I did watch them all. Um, but I missed that little bit. So maybe they explained it in that little bit of a section. But I didn't see it. I thought it was just a little confusing. That's all I have to say about the pit stops. Final thing, John, on outdoor last night. Um, and what you saw. The best race of the year. And NASCAR, one of the things, here's the big problem that we're running into. As much as I love the fact that the race at Eldora was fantastic, it was the best race we saw all year. There were 27,000 people there because that's about all it'll hold. I mean, that was as packed as you can get a racetrack. I mean, every grandstand was filled. The side of the hills were filled. The cement bleachers that they have in the turns were filled. It was a great race, but there was 25,000 people there. Now, granted, it's probably more than half the truck races, 
But NASCAR is looking at the big picture when it's like, well, we can put people in 50,000-seat races. Um, it's a great one-off. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the best race of the year. The thing I'm worried about is this is the sixth one. How many is it going to be until it, the novelty wears off? But it's still out there because you've got Tony Stewart telling everybody that NASCAR needs to bring the Cup Series there or the Xfinity Series there. And guess who, who added on to it? Dale Earnhardt. Dale in on Twitter yesterday. He said, because um, after Tony said maybe one of these days we'll get an Xfinity or a Cup race, Dale Jr. comes in and says, as an Xfinity Series owner, would love to have a race at Eldora on the schedule. What do you say, NASCAR? Let's do this already. So Tony Stewart has somebody big when it comes to the ear of NASCAR behind him on this. I think it would be great. I think it's the best race of the year. I saw great racing throughout the field. You saw a battle for the win that was as epic as Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch. And you saw great racing all night. And I don't think we could say that we said that in any race all season, any of the three series that we've seen all year long, that we would have a great race from start to finish. And that we had last night. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the, the thing about – a couple of things about Dale Jr. when he said that about Xfinity uh, going to the outdoor dirt derby or the outdoor race was um, he was talking with Kyle Busch in a, on a NASCAR America and like sort of a, a – they had like a little bit of a chat with him and Jeff Burton. And Dale Jr. said, as an Xfinity owner, will I regret that? Will I regret saying that I want to go to the dirt because I'm an Xfinity Series owner? He asked Kyle Busch that as a truck series owner, and Kyle Busch's answer was, yes, absolutely. Now, you could say, well, that's cranky coroners, blah, 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 but if Kyle Busch is saying that, the cup owners are going to be saying that. The RTA, which is strong, will be saying that. So uh, just keep that in mind as we go along here that, well, the owners, everybody wants it. The owners might not necessarily want it, and that could be a big snag as we move forward to try and get cup and get Xfinity to the uh, dirt tracks. These owners might say, no, we don't want to do that for a one-off race. I know it's crazy, but um, I truly believe that. And, and I don't mean to, to, to kill Tony Stewart here. I respect Tony Stewart a lot. I think he's a great car owner, uh, track owner, does a lot of great things, great car owner. But I need to hear more than just him saying, I want to hear competitors say, hey, we need, we need to bring the truck series or we need to bring Xfinity Cup there. The fact that Tony Stewart, who owns the racetrack, is saying, I need to get – I want to you know, pitch, pitch and lobby – to get outdoor an Xfinity Cup race, of course Tony Stewart wants an Xfinity Series in a Cup race there. He's the track owner, so that makes sense. That you know he's going to be lobbying that. I want to hear other people, and they did throughout the day. But when Tony Stewart initially said that, and everybody's saying, "Oh, listen to Tony Stewart," keep in mind that's Tony Stewart's track owner talking as well. But the show last the night was thing fantastic. Is, but if you think about it, Clayton, I'm not sure Tony Stewart makes money out of this. I, I, totally the, I, I don't think I mean, he makes you're a whole hell of a lot of NBC or Fox. I don't know what they're paying them because remember we've talked about the contracts before 10% of the um, go to the team owner TV contract at max goes to the truck series and the truck series contract is smaller than what they're separate on on FS1. I mean, they're not even on 
the big network, except once in a blue moon, they'll do Martinsville when there's nothing else on. Um, and the purse that they're paying out for um, the truck series, yeah, it's not going to, it's not that much compared to everybody else. So yeah, Kyle Bush is going to complain because the purse isn't that much because you only have 22,000 seats and you can only sell so many hot dogs and hamburgers. And the difference is that Eldora Speedway, nothing costs more than five bucks. You can't get a hot dog at Daytona for five bucks. So no, you can't. Yeah. I, it's a whole different world. Is it one of those ones that would be great? Yeah. From a cost efficiency thing? No, it makes no sense to even be there at all. But as a fan of the sport, I saw the best race of the season last night. I want to see more of it. Oh, that. I agree. And I, I mean, agree. I when you said that, about I, competitors, Keselowski piped in saying he's not against running an Xfinity race or maybe even a cup race. But it's got to be a better tire. So Keselowski was ha- quick to hammer Goodyear because you're right. They don't make – Goodyear is not a dirt tire maker. Very rarely you see Goodyear on dirt. And Goodyear is sewing tires together for one race, and it doesn't normally happen on a regular basis. 90% of your, your dirt car tires, you see uh, everybody running Hoosiers. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And another thing to keep in mind, too, with the Cup and Xfinity, and it's not as much of a, of a factor in Xfinity as it is in Cup, but, you know, these Cup teams have full-time pit crews that they put together to be competitive. Now, you can say, oh, well, that's one race they're going to be losing pay. So those pit crew guys aren't going to be happy if they're going to be only compete during stages where they really don't mean that much. If I'm somebody saying, hey, you know, I'm not paying my pit crew this weekend. If I'm from motorsports and I want to save a buck or two, I'm not paying my pit crew to come down there and do that. If we're going to be really kind of keeping our own spots, during, there's really not much to gain during – it's just, you know, there's no green flag stops. So um, there's not a whole lot to gain there. Um, so I just think teams would look at it a little differently. And there's a lot, a lot to dive into with that, uh, with those tracks. You know, the, the, the ISC and SMI would have to give up a date, which I don't think is going to happen. So we're a long way away still from this being a, a – viable option, I think, for, unfortunately, for Cup and Xfinity, because, you know, I've always said this about the sanctioning body. Uh, I think the sanctioning, sanctioning body looks at what will make the most money instead of what will look be for the best interest of the sport, but I, they're not alone. I think everybody everybody looks at that at times. What's going to make me the most money is the drivers, I believe, look at that, and I think the car owners do, too, with the RTA, so everybody kind of needs to swallow some pride here if we want to get these, this dirt up in the air and going in the Cup Series. I think everybody track owners to NASCAR to the team owners to the drivers, everybody needs to swallow it in and say this is for the best interest of the sport to do this. Still a long way away though, in my opinion, of going to the Cup Series. Which brings us to the Roval. Because which listening I'm gonna tell you flat out, listening to Roddy Childers tonight with Claire B before we got on the show, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a mess. Rodney said when they they did the test there, the one day with Harvick doing the test at the Roval, the hood buckled. The front clip was destroyed. There are so many things. It's going to be a matter of which part survive, not who is the best road course racer. So if NASCAR is all about making sure that the best racing possible happens, they don't let Charlotte decide the road. The Roval is going to be what it is because You've seen how many cars wrecked in one day of practice. You've seen how many cars banged up. You've seen how many drivers griping, saying this is not going to work. 
how many times, I mean, hell, Charlotte's already tore up the grass in the dog leg to put artificial turf down because they think it'll slow the cars down more than the grass going into turn one. I mean, Rodney Childers said on the, um, on, with Claire B, uh, they're going to start at the regular start finish line and they're going to be two by two and they're going to try to bust their ass into turn one of the Roval. He said, there's going to be three, four wide in there and you can barely fit one and a half cars. So there's a 50, 50 chance. We have a 10 car pile up in the front to start the race. That's not good for the sport. Uh, listen, this Roval is going to be very interesting, and I'm going to talk about that a lot as we get closer to it. But I've said this about the Roval numerous times. I have a big problem with this race being in the playoffs without having one single competitive race on this layout. This layout's changed th- two or three different times already, uh, and we haven't even run there yet. Now, maybe we'll feel a little bit better with an Xfinity Series race on it right before the cup race. Who knows? But to me, this should have been – and I'm all for Charlotte wanting to do this. You want to do this, fine. Do it in the all-star race where it's no points uh, and people's championship hopes aren't based on, on, a, on a race that's completely uh, just thrown together. You know, Charlotte wasn't built for a road course. And I'm all for it. You want to try it and see how it goes. Okay, but not in the playoffs. I'm just not. You know, so um, I think they should have ran a race here and said, let's run a race on this layout a couple of times, get, get all the kinks out of the hose, make sure it's ready to go, then we'll put it in our playoffs. I thought it was a very aggressive and, a, and too aggressive, in my opinion, of a move to put this Roval in, into the schedule in, 29, in 2018 for the playoffs. Um, and as we get closer, like I said, I've been touching on a lot, but I just think the Roval so far, there's different layouts. Uh, they've changed so many things here in the last year, and I get that it's not going to be perfect. But it better be perfect by the time the playoffs come because I don't want to see somebody's championship determined on a an oversight or something stupid to go on at Charlotte Motor Speedway with this roll. That's my biggest concern with this track. Another and Rodney, Rodney that, also said tonight, he also said tonight, one of the reasons that they're trying to make sure at the 14 to win every race possible, win every stage possible, is they want to get to like 47 points in stage and playoff points. So that way, if all hell breaks loose at the Roval. They're a race ahead of everybody else. So they're going to move on and move forward. They want to make sure that they're locked in as far as they can and get as many bonus points as they can because Roval is the ultimate. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So they want to make sure that they can actually wipe that race out and not even worry that it happens before going into it. And that's yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, that's Martin Truex Jr. philosophy from last year. I think everybody saw what he did winning all the stages and, and winning the champ, uh, regular season championship and getting all those extra bonus points and, you know, kind of having a, a nice cruise for the first nine races to the playoffs and to the final race at Homestead Miami Speedway. You're right. I think Bush, uh, Truex, and Harvick have put themselves in a different scenario than everybody else when that Charlotte race comes on. And again, we'll dive into that as the months get closer because I'm sure there'll be more news about it. Uh, but we're getting closer and closer to that race, and it just seems like they just haven't hit a home run on it yet with this, uh, with everything, with the layout, everything. And I just hope to goodness, hope to God, that we just have a, a solid, clean race there at Charlotte Motor Speedway, but I doubt it. Speaking of Martin Truex Jr. and dominating the playoffs last year and dominating the season last year, um, he made news this weekend, and as great as Wednesday was yesterday for the 
Truck Series and for NASCAR and the Eldora Dirt Derby was as bad as Tuesday was, in my opinion. Another big-ton company and five-hour energy has announced they were leaving NASCAR at the end of 2018. Uh, they've sponsored the defending champion, Martin Strix Jr., this year and are pulling out of two, off of 2X and NASCAR here. Um, they, I think they've been around half the schedule now. I understand they're probably not exactly where they want to be maybe in their eyes. They might look at it and say, we want to be maybe with a guy like Clint Boyer, who they've had experience with and, um, you know, won the 15 car, and they like his personality. Maybe Truex is that type of guy, whatever. But still, that's a very competitive team. They go, they run up front every day. They're one of the big three. Um, how alarmed should you be if your furniture are racing here? Uh, let's just talk about the aspect from furniture racing. We, we talked about NASCAR at nauseum about the issues they've had with ratings and uh, with attendance, but how about furniture racing here? Um, I think Toyota came out and they, their plan this year for furniture racing going into 2019 was to have two cars there and Christopher Bell in the 77 car. For some reason, that seemed to fizzle out around March or April, and I think this is why. I think Barney Visser and furniture racing would have clearly said, you know what, we're going to do a two car team because the 78 is fully funded. Well, guess what? The 78 is no longer fully funded, John. How concerned should Furniture Racing be? I think Furniture Row kind of must have known coming in because if they really were in Toyota's plans to have a second team at Furniture Row Racing for 2019, they wouldn't have sold the charter. They would have leased it. So I think Furniture Row was dead set and determined they were going to be one team with Martin Truex Jr. going forward. Um, to me, as a fan of the sport, NASCAR is in trouble. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, lost Lowe's and has no word of what's going to, who's going to sponsor him next. Martin Truex, a defending champion, and who's listed as one of the big three this year with Truex, Harvick, and Kyle Busch being the ones who've won the most races, dominated the most races, and they're losing five-hour energy from him. And granted, it's the third driver that five-hour energy's had in the last three years because... Five Hour Energy went with uh, Furniture Row to go to Eric Jones whenever Boyer was going to Stuart Haas Racing because Monster didn't want the competition with Kurt Busch and have two two energy drinks in the same organization. So they went with Eric Jones, and Eric Jones went to Joe Gibbs, and Five Hour Energy stayed with Barney Visser because they had to with um, Monster Energy being the title sponsor. You can't move to another team or you go away. So they stayed with Truex, and they're successful as all hell with Truex. And now they're walking away from it. I think Five Hour Energy saying, is it really worth the $15 million whenever attendance is down 20%, TV ratings are down 25%, we're not getting the bang for our buck we used to, and we're paying $15 million where we could spend that otherwise and get a bigger bang for our buck. Yeah, I mean, who? we, don't, we can't look into their minds, obviously, and figure out what they think, but we can speculate for sure. And I think that's something that they're absolutely, that, that they absolutely think for sure. <laughs> Here's my question to you though. And this is where I get annoyed. Um, do you think five hour energy, and this isn't a shot at Truex or furniture racing. This is just a, uh, uh, I think a sign of the times, you know, we've seen sponsorships linked with drivers for a long time and you sit there and go, well, that driver's not very competitive. Why are they there? A great example, Michael Waltrip racing NASA. Uh, Michael Waltrip 
or excuse me, I should say Michael Waltrip and Napa. Michael Waltrip for the back half of that Napa deal was not very competitive, but they stuck with him through, throughout through thick and thin there um, until Michael decided to retire because they loved his personality. They loved what he did off the racetrack, and that was enough for them to keep sponsoring him on the racetrack until Michael decided to hang him up. He's just one of numerous examples of that happening here in modern-day NASCAR. You know, my question to you is, does five-hour energy, if they could get with Boyer, and again, it's not a shot at Truex, and it's not a shot at Furniture Racing, it's just that they had a relationship with, with Boyer, and they could have built off that off the racetrack. If they sat there this year and they said, you know what, we want to get back with Clint Boyer at Stewart House Racing. We had a great relationship with him over there at Michael Waltrip Racing. We love what we had. Let's make that move. If they could do that. Do you think they'd still be in this sport right now? I'm not sure. Again, it's the bang for the buck process. The fact that Five Hour Energy came to the Cup Series with Boyer, but they were at the Xfinity Series at Rusty Wallace Racing. And I think Eric Jones would have, was a great ambassador for Five Hour Energy. The perfect demo. The 20, 21-year-old kid who's going to drink the five-hour energy. In reality, Boyer, if you put a five-hour energy in him, good God, he's already the Energizer bunny on steroids. Picture what happens if you throw an energy drink down his throat. Um, The fact is, whether or not it's the relationship you have with the driver or the relationship that they're going to be doing off the track or whatever, just think how much airtime you're getting with Truex running up front. You're getting more airtime this year with Martin Truex being on his car than you've gotten in the last five years with Clint Boyer. This year is head and shoulders above the last five years with mentions, with seeing your car and you're having your driving your motorized billboard running around. Five hour energy has gotten more airtime this year than they probably have in the last five years. And they decided to pull out. Because I think the right. business model is they want $15 million bucks to be on the car for X amount of time, and Five Hour Energy probably saying, nope, not going to do it. Because Yeah, it's interesting. It's, because Monster's paying 20 for the whole series. Right. It's just such an interesting time that they called this. You know I mean? You could understand if they weren't competitive when – I mean, you got to they stuck with Boyer uh, even when Boyer was, was with the 15 car, you know, so – um, and, and struggled that whole time there over there uh, with H. Scott Racing. You know, they, they struggled there. And it just, you know, you, so you sit there and you go, now they pull out when they're running really, really good. It just kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. That's all. That's the only reason I'm saying about Truex is, you know, maybe they just sat there and said we could build off that um, with, with Boyer. And they couldn't move because of the Monster Energy deal. And I don't know if they wanted to move where they sat there and they said, yeah, sure, you know, we want but we want a full-time ride, and they couldn't do it, and it sort of lost momentum. I don't know. I'll never know that, but that's why I hate the fact that you have these exclusivity deals in the Cup Series uh, and even Xfinity and Trucks where nobody, you know, sort of Monster Energy determines who can be in and who can be out. Uh, I hate that. I think it's stupid. Uh, you shouldn't run your, your, your sport like a market, like an advertising company, and that's what NASCAR does with those deals there. Sprint had the same thing with Verizon and, and it kicked Signal Wireless and Altel out and Verizon out. 
uh, eventually. So, you know, they've never come back. They've never come back. It's not like they said, oh, well, the sprint's gone. Let's jump back into NASCAR. They've not come back since then. Um, and you have to wonder if that's going to be the same thing here. Red Bull left on their own. That's a different story. But you have to wonder if it's the same thing with Five Hour Energy where maybe they looked at the 2018 season differently and said, we want to go there, but we can't because we're stuck because of the monster deal. So um, I just think it's sad that, that Monster Energy is leaving. Uh, I just think excuse me, uh, that Five Hour is leaving, and uh, it's just shocking because you look at it and you say, hey, um, they've been great this year. Like you said, they've, they've gotten so much exposure. How do you think this affects Truex's future, John, with this organization? Do, does Visser say, you know, he hasn't signed his extension yet, which is very curious, and I think they were kind of seeing how the cards fell with this whole Five Hour Energy deal. But what about Truex? Um, is there any doubt in your mind Truex leaves this organization? What are your thoughts? I think Truex stays there uh, because right now, look at the other teams. What's open outside of there? Truex is going to end up losing money as a defending cup champion and battling for a second championship because the sponsorship dollars aren't there. And again, I take it back to when NASCAR was so desperate for a title sponsor that they signed Monster Energy at $20 million a year. And who in their right mind is going to say, I'm going to sponsor X team for the $30 million a year it takes to run it when I can have the whole series for 20 And I get the marketing. I get my name on everything because anytime they talk NASCAR, it's a NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series. But whenever you're sponsoring a car, you're one of 40 out there on the track or 37 or however many shows up that week. But you get your mentions when you're on the track. But when they go to commercial break, do they say Martin Truex in the five-hour energy Toyota is leading the race? We'll be back after this. That's a good point. Or do they say you're watching the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series on Fox or NBC Sports? So That's a good point. And you're getting bigger bang for your buck sponsoring the series and not having to do as much as you do as – and they want you to pay more to sponsor an individual car where you're one of 37 or 40 instead of you being the one. Right. And, and there's a couple things I want to touch on with that. First of all, about 2X's future, I think you're right. I think he's going to take a pay cut. Um, not, I, I don't think this is anything that um, isn't out of the ordinary. You know, we saw, I think, last year with Kozlowski, where Kozlowski had to sort of wait to see what his sponsorship would do before he re-signed. I think 2X is doing the same thing. I think they're going to work out the details in the next couple of weeks uh, and figure out he, I think he's staying here at 78 long-term. There's no reason not to. He's great. He's been great since he's gotten here. The team loves him. He loves the crew chief there. Everything's great. So I don't think you have to worry about his future if you're a Truex fan. But I do want to touch on something that I heard the other day, and I, and I want to bring this up because I have to, you, you touched on it at the end of your little uh, conversation here you just had before. Five-hour energy, monster energy. And how much exposure does five-hour energy you get, get? Does five-hour energy get less than every other car on the racetrack because they're in direct competition with the title sponsor. Here's, a, here's something to, to, to keep in mind here as well. And I, I swear this was the truth. I was listening to race, the race last weekend, qualifying last weekend at Kentucky Speedway. And the broadcasters of that, ra- of that race are, were uh, employees of the racetrack. That radio network that they're on is owned by Bruton and Marcus Smith, who owns Kentucky Speedway. So keep that in mind. Uh, and this can be a long story, and I apologize. But 
Joey Logano drives a Shell Pennzoil four for Team Penske. The race at Kentucky was the Quaker State 400. Quaker State and Pennzoil are direct competitors. So every time they mention Joey Logano, they say Joey Logano and Michelle Ford. Shell. They didn't mention Pennzoil one time because of the fact that it was a Quaker State 400 and they work for the racetrack who's sponsored by Quaker State. That is not good. That is not what the sport should be about. That is not what we should be doing. And they did it intentionally, and they knew what they were doing. And I understand. They said, well, we've got to look out for our own team. Baloney. Look out for the best interest of the sport. And that's not looking out for the best interest of the sport. If for what, if five-hour energy did not get mentioned three or four times during the year because they were afraid of, we want to hype up monster energy, then shame on the TV networks, shame on NASCAR, and shame on everybody because this is what you get. Ultimately, who's paying the price? NASCAR doesn't lose money with this. The, uh, the TV really doesn't lose a whole lot of money with this. The only people losing the money are the race teams, and it's because of the TV and NASCAR. If that's the case, if they sat there and said, we're not going to save five-hour energy, shame on them, and, they, and NASCAR gets everything it deserves because, to me, that is ridiculous. And what happened at Kentucky I thought was ridiculous because if a driver did that, John, if a, when a driver knocks off a, a product on victory lane, people call up and complain about it and go, oh, come on, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, then you shouldn't be going on air either and saying uh, the, the, the Shell Ford and not mentioning Pennzoil. Uh, to me, it's, it's a game. It's ridiculous, and they shouldn't do it. I'm sorry. I don't disagree with you on that. I think that there's a good shot at it being that way. I mean, I know how PRN operates by listening to them, that, yeah, they went with the Shell Ford instead of Shell Pennzoil because Pennzoil is a direct competitor of Quaker State. And if you look whenever you watch the cup race on TV, you will hear them say Pennzoil more than Shell because Shell is a direct competitor with Sunoco, the official fuel of NASCAR. And the reason it's more Pennzoil than Shell, I mean, Shell has their logo on because Pennzoil is owned by Shell, but Logano is promoting Pennzoil with the car because you can't have the Shell car when you have Sunoco as the official fuel of NASCAR. So, yeah, right. it's, it's one of those ones. I mean, how many times have I gone on and gone over the official list of the official sponsors of NASCAR stuff? And if NASCAR didn't have all these official sponsors, maybe some of these sponsors would go to the teams and the teams would be more fluid with cash. But it doesn't work that way. Right. Brian France and, and that, Lisa that... France Kennedy and Jim France, all they're worrying about is pocketing money. The, the sport has suffered since Bill France Jr. passed away. And Bill that Fred is where they run their organization games. You're right. That is where the organization, to me, runs their sport like an advertising company instead of a, of a stock car uh, sport. I mean, that to me is is where it's totally wrong. And and I was I was hot the other day when I heard that on 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 PRN because I sat there and I said they shouldn't be doing that because if a driver went out and didn't say uh, the quicker stay 400, if Logano won in victory lane and said. We're glad to win this, you know, 400 miler here at Kentucky, and didn't say Quaker State. People would be pissed off at him for not doing that. Um, so you can't have both ways. Uh, and I think everybody should work together. Um, I'm a big believer in that. I think work together to, for one common goal, and that's to promote this sport. And it doesn't matter about who's in what deal. You know how? And again, if we start it a little bit, if that even if it's a little bit, how far will we take it? You know, if Chevrolet says we're going to be the official sponsor. At uh, 
Pocono Raceway, for example, and when we're at Pocono Raceway, these announcers aren't mentioning the Ford or Toyota teams by you know saying Toyota Camry or Ford Fusion uh, or Ford Mustang next year. That's a big problem. So how long are we going to take this, and how much of a direct impact does it have on a sport? Something to keep in mind as years go on here, John. Something else I want to touch on. Blake Jones making his cup debut, 20, number 23 car, BK Racing, this weekend. Yeah, we see that all the time. BK Racing throws in drivers you never really heard of into the car. Here's my issue. He's got a handful of, of, of big-time stock car racing series, stock car starts. Uh, on, what, I think he's got five Xfinity starts, a few truck starts, a few ARCA starts, um, and, and yet he's running in the Cup Series at Loud, New Hampshire. Uh, I have a big problem with this, and to me – you need some, some experience, and I know it's um, – maybe I'm being a little nitpicky, but this is still race cars going really, really fast, and we have a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of experience running in a cup race against guys who are used to running in a cup series. Um, last year, Cesar Baccarella ran in only a handful of, of other series before jumping into the Xfinity series, and he was a lap car in the way of Brendan Poole, and – came down on Brandon Poole when he was two laps down and took out Brandon Poole and it cost Poole championship last year. Um, so I get frustrated at that because I think there needs to be sort of an, a more evaluation period. And Blake Jones, if he was you – know, I don't care that he hasn't won a spinning series races and all that kind of stuff. I just want to see him have a little bit more experience than what he has to, to move to the Cup Series. I just think it's wrong. I mean, AJ Ford had to be tested at Darlington in the 80s because – uh, that's the way it went back then. So, um, you know, I, I, to me, I just that drives me crazy, John. It just when you don't have a ton of experience and you're running in the Cup Series, I would like to see that changed for sure. Well, the one thing with uh, Blake Jones, he has won at Darling. I mean, he has won at Talladega. <clears throat> so he showed that he can drive a little bit. Um, I think he's gonna be in the back of the pack. I don't think he's gonna be anything worthwhile. He'll probably be 50 laps down. I think he'll be smart enough to, I mean, if he's halfway smart, I know I'm a back marker. I know if the leaders are coming, get the hell out of the way. Don't be that guy. Don't be the one who ends up sports center because he cost somebody a championship. I think there'll be somebody in his ear telling him, be smart, stay the hell out of the way. The one difference between what Blake Jones has done and what you've seen on the 23 car most of the year, there are three sponsors on that car Sunday in New Hampshire. Tennessee Triple X Moonshine, KBM Commercial Properties, I, and True Line Construction. That has struggled to find any kind of sponsorship. It's been a white car a lot this year, and they're in bankruptcy as it is. So the idea of putting somebody in a car who can bring some sort of dollars into it, the, the uh, person who is managing the uh, assets of BK Racing, that's his, his job is to report to the court that he is doing what he can to financially do the best for that organization. Be damned what NASCAR says. Be damned what anybody else says. Be damned what you and I say. His job is to make money for the organization, to report to the court that I have done this and not lost money. So if he has to put Blake Jones into the car, if you, me, and Lee and Virginia could combine and put 100000 bucks out, I bet we, one of us could drive the car the next week. That's how it is with that these backmarker teams and you see it with premium motorsports you see it with um the 51 car 
I mean, Cole Custer, they wanted him to get a couple cup starts in, so Stuart Haas I mean, gave him the chance. Gene Haas put his name on the car, and Cole Custer ran a few cup races. I mean, you see it with these smaller teams all the time. Look at the uh, the seven now that's come out. J.J. Yaley isn't the best equipment, but they've got New York Prime Steakhouse on there, so they have sponsorship dollars. So people are putting a team together for them. I think that's right. what it's coming but down Yaley to. And those guys have, if you have a hundred thousand bucks, you can drive a you can drive a cup car, and as long as you stay out of the way and don't make yourself that guy, you'll be all right. Yelly and those guys have experience, though, and that's where and I, I don't blame BK Racing. I think they're doing everything. I mean, that's what they should do. Uh, I just think it's NASCAR needs to look at, the, at at a little bit more, and I just hope everything goes smoothly. Um, and you know, I just I'm, I always think this is still a sport with you know thirty two hundred pound stock cars going as fast as they possibly can, they could still hurt some people out there. So let's just keep that in mind here, that it's still a, um, you know, still a sport that's very dangerous. Loud New Hampshire this weekend, John. Uh, Foxwoods 301 from Loud New Hampshire. Um, going, this is the only time to go to Loudon this year. Uh, and I'll start with that question first here. Uh, do you think this will help Loudon a little bit, that we only go there once a year? Do you think this will help the race as far as maybe teams aren't Testing for the playoffs. I mean, this is the first. It's still this rate. It was still this time last year. But I felt like teams sort of used this as a test session for the playoffs. Do you think that will help Loudon that it's a not in the playoffs anymore? Um, that teams won't test here. What are your thoughts? No, I think it won't. I think uh, they're putting the VHT down, which are already ticking off crew chiefs and drivers. I think the fans are ticked off because they lost a race. But then also the fans didn't do what they needed to a couple years ago when the Patriots Red Sox were out of town and it was half packed to be at, at most. Um, the racing hasn't been that great at Loudon lately. So I think cutting from two to one isn't going to help the racing. I think it's going to be the beginning of the downfall of Loudon, New Hampshire. Interesting. I think that's that's an interesting take on that. Um, I'm curious to see how it goes. does. Not a big VHP fan either. VTP at, at a flat track like this uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we'll see um, how it goes there on Sunday. Big three have dominated this year, John. There's no doubt about that. Um, they've won pretty much every race other than the super speedways. Will we see it again on Sunday? Yes. Will we see these one of these big three win? Until you prove otherwise, I'm going to say yes. This is where Jacob Grayson started because they did not have a win until they hit New Hampshire. And they've been on a roll ever since. So I don't see anybody getting in the way of the big three. The only thing I see anybody get in the way of the big three is someone in the big three. And Seward Haas Racing has gone and tried to fix the one weak spot they think they have. They've adjusted the crews on all four cars. The pit crew yeah, has changed the same pit crew on any of the four cars. So Stuart Haas is already looking internally to find that next thing because they think they probably have the cars maxed out, ready to go. So they're looking at the next thing internally. They're losing spots on pit road. They're not losing spots on the racetrack. So I don't see anybody getting in the way of the big three except maybe the big three. Who wins it then? Kyle Busch. Good call. Okay, I'm going to go... A little bit of a of a different route. I don't think the big three is going to win this weekend. I'm going to go Clint Boyer because I think this racetrack is pretty similar to Martinsville. It's bigger. Obviously, it's not as tight and it's not as short. 
It's a one-mile racetrack, but it's got a lot of similarities. Flat racetrack, tight corners. So be interesting to see. Want to thank and don't count out Denny Hamlin. Yes, absolutely. Want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. We'll see you after Loudon here on Sunday night. Good night, everybody.